Today on The Verdict with Pastor John Monroe. And so at the baptism of Jesus, we see the Trinity. The Father speaks, the Son is baptized, the Holy Spirit comes and anoints our Lord Jesus Christ as He begins His public ministry, all in fulfillment of the Old Testament Scriptures. Welcome to The Verdict, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor John Monroe. Our Lord Jesus Christ was baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. Have you ever wondered why? Why did the Son of God need to be baptized at all? Today on The Verdict, we're turning to Matthew chapter 3 to an amazing scene that will teach us about the nature of obedience, the identity of Jesus Christ, and our triune God. Now, here's Pastor John Monroe with today's lesson. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. What would you have thought if you saw the strange man that we know as John the Baptist? A strange figure living in the desert, dressed in camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist. His diet was very basic, locusts and wild honey. But as we saw last time, John is sent by God as the forerunner of the Messiah, declaring a message of repentance. And now we see the interaction of John the Baptist with the Lord Jesus as Jesus asks John to baptize him. Think of John being asked to baptize the long-awaited Messiah. The concluding verses of Matthew 3 presents an amazingly beautiful scene that we will think about as we learn more about Jesus and see him being baptized. In our passage today, we meet Jesus when he's about 30 years of age. Jesus comes from Galilee to the river of Jordan where John has been baptizing many. Matthew chapter three, verses 13 through 17. Here is the word of God to us. Let's read it together. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Thank you. Please be seated. Spurgeon said, No one outgrows Scripture. The book widens and deepens with our years. Who is Jesus? Matthew has been telling us already. And we'll see in this passage that Jesus is the Son of God. Who is Jesus? How would you answer that question? Matthew is telling us here, he is the very Son of God. And so at the baptism of Jesus, we see the Trinity. The Father speaks, The Son is baptized, the Holy Spirit comes and anoints our Lord Jesus Christ as He begins His public ministry, all in fulfillment 
of the whole of the Old Testament scriptures. This is the unique son of the eternal God. He is the anointed Messiah. And that is very, very important as Matthew is presenting Jesus as the king, the anointed king, the one in whom now the Holy Spirit rests as he's about to begin his public ministry. He is the son of God. I hope you understand that. You may want Jesus just as your friend. You may want Jesus as someone who can solve your problems, but think of this. This is God incarnate, the Son of God. Who is Jesus? Matthew's saying, the Father is saying, we are saying he's the Son of God. What's he going to do? What's he doing at his baptism? Something wonderful something which embraces all of us here. He is identifying with sinners. You say, where'd you get that? Well, think of this. As our Lord Jesus comes, it is clear that he is the sinless Savior. Immediately after his baptism, the heavens are open to him. Verse 16, God the Father gives unreserved praise of his Son. And God the Father finds infinite joy in His Son, His well-beloved Son, who always does the things that please the Father. That's what Jesus says in John 8, verse 29, I always do the things that please the Father. The very best of people, the most sincere, the kindest, uh, the humblest of people still fail, still disappoint their parents, certainly come far short of God's standards. But this man, our Lord Jesus Christ, as he comes and he stands in the waters of Jordan, about to be baptized, he is the sinless Savior. Peter, the man of action, said he committed no sin. John, a man of love, said of Jesus, in him there is no sin. The critics repeatedly with subtlety, with hostility, with deception sometimes, they ask the Lord Jesus penetrating and difficult and deceptive questions to expose him, to trap him, to find fault in him. But with all of their questions, with all of their conspiracy, with all of their schemes, they can find no blemish in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so John here has been baptizing many, many people, and now our Lord Jesus Christ comes. And what does John say? Verse 14, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? And John is really saying, listen, I, I'm, I'm sinful. You're sinless. How is it that you want me to baptize you? It should be the other way around. John is right. All of us would have said the same thing, wouldn't we? Because this is the sinless Savior. He is the perfect Savior. Now what does Jesus say in answer to the question? On the face of it is a rather strange thing that he says, verse 15. Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus comes to fulfill all righteousness. And the baptism of Jesus, think of it, was a visible display 
of the dedicated obedience and surrender of our Savior to his Father's will. He is perfectly righteous, perfectly sinless, and he came to fulfill all righteousness. And our Lord here, in particular, fulfills all righteousness by identifying with sinners. Think of it. The sinless Savior is now taking his place among sinners. What was John's baptism? It It was a baptism with water for repentance, for confession of sins. But our Lord Jesus Christ had no sins to confess. He didn't have to repent. He's he's perfect. And so what is he doing being baptized by John? Our Lord Jesus understood his mission. He understood his name is Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And as he stands in the water, and as with great humility and in perfect obedience to his Father and his God, He is identifying with sinners. He's taking the place of people like you and me. Because this water baptism foreshadowed another baptism, a baptism the Lord spoke of in in Mark chapter 10, for example, the baptism of the cross. Yes, he knew the reason why the Father sent the Son. He knew that he had come to die It's the Lamb of God to take away the sins, not his own sins, he's perfect, the sins of the world. And in his baptism, Jesus is demonstrating that he's going to take our sin on himself and in this way fulfill all righteousness. The righteous one is taking on our unrighteousness. Turn with me to Isaiah 53. If you're familiar with your Bible, you know that Isaiah 53 is one of the greatest chapters in the Old Testament regarding the coming of the Messiah. It's in Isaiah 53 where we read such wonderful scriptures as he was pierced for our transgressions, he was cursed for our iniquities, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. But look at verse 11. Out of the anguish of his soul, he's talking of the cross, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, who's the righteous one? The Messiah. By the knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, God's servant, make many to be accounted righteous. How does our Savior do that? Answer, he shall bear their iniquities. How can you, who are unrighteous, be counted righteous? That's a question, isn't it, all of us face? How can we deal with the sin in our lives, in our frustrations? and we come short of the glory of God. And what's the answer to this? Verse 12, therefore I will divide him a portion with the many. He shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul to death, listen to this, and was numbered 
with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Our Lord Jesus Christ, we say it's symbolized that he, is, he dies on the middle cross, he's numbered with his transgressors, but we see it here in his baptism. He is numbered, he is identifying with sinful people, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so as our Lord Jesus Christ is being baptized, he is showing his solidarity with sinners. The righteous making the unrighteous righteous. How do you do that? Through the cross of Christ. He takes my sin. He takes my transgression. Horatio Bonar writes, I know the Son of God for me, the cross endured. I know he suffered in my stead by the, and by the precious blood he shed my peace secured. Can you say that? Can you say that your peace has been secured? Uh, have, you, have you come uh, to the place in your life where you've come to the cross of Christ and have seen the Son of God, the Lamb of God, and through the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart, you've had an understanding of your own sinfulness, your pride, all of these sins, and you realize that you by yourself can never please God. Yes, Jesus can. This is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. The Father is pleased with His Son, but He's sinless. But as God looks at you, He's not pleased. Oh yes, He loves you, but He's not pleased with your sin, with your transgressions, with your rebellion. And the answer to that is not to look within, it's not to look to others for a solution, but it's to look to Christ, the sinless Savior. He is being baptized. He's identifying with us in great love and great compassion. He comes to us, Emmanuel, God with us, numbered with our transgressors, numbered with the transgressors, numbered with people like us, not a distant God, but a God who comes to us, comes to us perfectly in His Son, comes to save you, to cleanse you, to forgive you. Why won't you come to Him? Why won't you do as John has said, repent, turn from your sin, and look to Christ. There and there alone is salvation. And to know that there the Son of God, for me the cross endured, how do you think you're going to stand before a holy, sinless God without the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ being credited to your account? This is the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And right at the beginning of his ministry, this is being declared, that the Son comes perfect in a perfect obedience to his Father, and he comes to atone for the sin of the world. How wonderful, how wonderful. And I want to say a few words of, about baptism. It reminds me of the, the story of the Baptist pastor who always preached on baptism. Whatever message he preached, he brought in baptism. So when he's preaching on uh, Genesis 3, the fall, he said, I've got three points. Number one, what Adam did. 
Number two, what Adam said. Number three, a few words about baptism. <laughs> so I want to have a few words about baptism, but baptism is in the text. And even though I'm not a Baptist pastor, I believe in baptism. And I want to say this kindly. I want you to listen because I realize this is a bit of a controversial subject and some of you are confused. And when we talk, talk about baptism, many of you, hundreds of you this morning are going to say, oh, I was, I was baptized as a baby. I, 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 that's all right. Well, I want you to listen to me. And I want to say this, that all authentic followers of Jesus Christ are commanded to be baptized. That baptism is a command of Scripture. Prior to his ascension, and Matthew is going to tell us at the very end of his gospel in Matthew chapter 28, prior to his ascension, our Lord Jesus Christ commands us to make disciples of all the nations. That is to go and bring the gospel to everyone. We want to go to the end of the world with the gospel. But we don't just go with a message of the gospel. We do that, we make disciples, and part of that is, Jesus says, baptizing them in, literally, into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. There you have the Trinity again. And that's part of the Christian message. That those who believe, that those who come to saving faith in our Lord Jesus Christ are then baptized. Uh, this is something which the Lord commands, and it's something which the apostles also preached. Go forward in your Bible to the book of Acts. You're in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. There you come to it, Acts chapter two. And we will see this. In Acts chapter two, Peter is preaching the gospel. Our Lord has died, he's been resurrected, he's ascended to his Father. And the Holy Spirit has come in Acts chapter two on Pentecost, and Peter is preaching the gospel in the center of Jerusalem. And he says this in verse 38, and Peter said to them, repent. Sounds like John the Baptist, doesn't it? Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 41, so those who received his word were baptized and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. There's the biblical practice. You preach the gospel, people believe, and they are baptized. Over to chapter eight. Philip, the evangelist, is preaching, tremendous preaching, preach, preacher, filled with the Holy Spirit. He's preaching to Samaria, to the Samaritans, and we read this in Acts eight, verse 12. But when they believed Philip, as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both man and woman. Peter preaches it to the Jews. 3,000 believe, they're baptized. Philip is preaching the same message to the Samaritans, preaches the gospel, and they're baptized. Here's a man from Africa, from Ethiopia, in fact, Acts chapter 8, verse 34, and he's been worshiping God 
in uh, Jerusalem, and he's returning home, and he's reading at the book that we've been talking about, the book of Isaiah, but he doesn't understand too much about it. Verse 34, the eunuch said to Philip, this man from Ethiopia, about whom I ask, does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? Well, we know, because I've told you it's about the Messiah. So what does Philip do? Verse 36, Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. The man is reading uh, what we know is Isaiah 53 that I've already read to you, and uh, Philip is saying to him, he said, sir, this is, this is all about Jesus. And so Philip preaches the gospel to this man. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop. They both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. The gospel is presented. The Ethiopian is baptized. Over to chapter 10. The apostle Peter, as the gospel is being spread, it's come to... Uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and now he's going to the Gentiles. This wonderful man called Cornelius uh, who comes to saving faith in Christ. Verse 47 of Acts 10, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? See, the gospel's not just for Jewish people, not just for Samaritans, not just for Africans, but for everyone, for the whole world. Verse 48, and he commanded them, notice it, he commanded them to be baptized. On what authority? On his own authority? No, on the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ who told Peter, I want you to go and preach the gospel to all of the nations and to baptize them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. You say, what are you saying, John? I'm saying this. That those who are saved by God's grace, whoever they are, are to be baptized as the outward sign that they are disciples of Jesus. This is The Verdict with Pastor John Monroe and the start of a message titled, The Baptism of Jesus. Part two is coming up next time. But remember, you can always find these daily messages online at theverdict.org. We've just begun a new series on the Sermon on the Mount. And to go along with this new study, we'd like to send you a special resource that will help deepen your understanding of what it means to follow Jesus. It's a booklet by John called Life in the Kingdom, and it focuses on the very practical instruction Jesus gave His followers about how we're meant to live. So if you'd like to grow in your relationship with God this new year and live each day as an authentic follower of Christ, reach out today and request your free copy of Life in the Kingdom by visiting theverdict.org. We also invite you to partner with us in what God is doing through The Verdict by making a donation of any amount. Your support makes it possible to share God's Word with new listeners in your community and around the world and to continue this gospel ministry throughout the new year. You can easily give whatever amount you feel led to by visiting theverdict.org or send a check in the mail to The Verdict, Care of Calvary Church, 5801 Pineville Matthews Road, 
Charlotte, North Carolina 28226. And if you live in Charlotte, we also invite you to join us for Sunday morning worship here at Calvary Church, home of The Verdict, or join us remotely through our live stream online. Again, visit theverdict.org for more details. Now, here's Pastor John Monroe. Well, what's your verdict? Who do you think Jesus is? We heard God the Father declaring that Jesus is His beloved Son. We also see that God is triune. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All are seen at the baptism of Jesus. Think of this amazing scene. Will you realize that God's Son came to die for your sins? Jesus is our sinless Savior. Will you respond and follow Him? Next time we'll continue to look at these last verses of Matthew 3 and consider further the baptism of Jesus. Thanks for joining us today on The Verdict. I'm Michelle Davies. Today's program with Pastor John Monroe was produced and sponsored by Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina.